Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, this week, many Americans will be celebrating Halloween on October 31st. But there was something far more significant that happened on this day 502 years ago. It was the day when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg which in turn started the Protestant Reformation. Now, this huge event, I would argue, is perhaps the most significant event in the last 2,000 years, second only to Pentecost. And this is in part why we at the Gospel for Life hold an annual Reformation Boise Conference to continue to celebrate the life-transforming doctrines that God recovered from the darkness during the Reformation. Now, our conference is coming up November 8th and 9th. That is just two weeks away. You can register for free as well as find out all the details that you need to know at ReformationBoise.com. All right, brother, so yesterday we started talking about the main players of the Reformation, and we began with Martin Luther. Today we turn to John Calvin. So who was John Calvin? I think it's just important to note that that Luther really begins so the Reformation. I am going to do that again. <laughs> It's just so important to note that Luther is this bold, um, impetuous man. By his own remarks, Luther would be um, would say, in essence, I lack self-control. I say too much. Yes. I say it wrong. I say it inappropriately. This is Luther's own yes. um, view of himself. Melanchthon, his best friend, would say, um, God gave a violent age a violent physician right in luther that luther's personality what was necessary for the beginning of the reformation it was almost his stubbornness um, that led to him kind of pushing back against the the church of of rome but it's calvin that's different luther luther was not the theologian Mm -hmm. calvin was Mm -hmm. and the reformated reformation needed Calvin as the theologian to, in in some ways, crystallize what Luther helped bring about because of his bold personality, but would not be sustainable in itself. Yeah, he need that the Reformation needed kind of the mind of Luther to to systemize what had happened. You mean the and, mind of Calvin? Calvin yeah. of well, Calvin. Well, actually, and and Calvin actually. Um, he was exposed to the Luther's writings, and you know he was. These were being discussed in academic circles. Calvin was, uh, you know, studying, um, and you know, as he as he started studying and he was discussing these things of Luther, he was exposed to the evangelical truth. He was exposed to the gospel, and he he is himself converted during this same period of time. You know, it, it he. He says, at first, I too was obstinately devoted to the superstitions of popery. Uh, so he, he was in that vein. 
Luther's freed him to look at Scripture, uh, and he begins to do that. And he has this remarkable conversion. He's, he sees himself kind of like this Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, converted by sovereign grace alone. And so God has conquered his heart, subdued his will, and uh, it, now his interests are enlightened by, enlightened by the Holy Spirit, you know, and he becomes consumed with the spiritual truths, which makes him the great theologian that he that he is. And uh, so he begins teaching those truths. Actually, he went, he goes to Switzerland. He wants to just kind of be. He was not like Luther the Bold. He he was he wanted to be an unassuming man to read his books, to study his theology, and uh, and be satisfied there. But he was forced into uh, public life. Yeah, and both both Luther and Calvin are scholars. I, th- I think we we should really emphasize that, yeah. um, and uh, they they are some of the, they're they are extremely learned men. Uh, they've they've done their homework and uh, they've they've earned the degrees, and um, both of them and and Calvin comes uh, a, kind of a generation later. He's a, he's a second generation reformer, although their lives overlap. Although I don't think they ever met. I don't think they only wrote to each other. So they, you have written correspondence, but they never themselves sat down with one another. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Calvin ends up and we're going to really abbreviate the story here, but Calvin ends up landing in the city of Geneva in Switzerland, uh, where he is asked to give leadership to that city. And and remember we're in a time that doesn't make a, a sharp distinction between church and state. And uh, Geneva was already a reformed uh, city when he got there, and uh, but they're asking him to to give leadership. And under Calvin's leadership, and under his prodigious uh, scholarly production and writing, and his main work is of course the Institutes of the Christian Religion, which went through a number of editions and revisions in in his lifetime. And with the advent of the printing press, uh, and it was translated into a number of different, all the different European languages, Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion made their way all over Europe and were read. And as a result of, the, of his influence through writing, people from around Europe came to Geneva to study with, with Calvin and to observe the work that was going on there of reforming the church, of reforming uh, the local government and community. And so, so uh, uh, Geneva, under Calvin's leadership, became a hub of Reformation activity that influenced all of Europe. Actually, all of the world. I mean, they literally sent out missionaries. Yes. I mean, even to South America. Yeah, isn't that amazing? It, it's it's very amazing because you you I I mean I only came upon that historical fact here like two or three years ago, and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Uh-huh. And and, Calvin, and almost all of them knew that they were going to their death. Yeah. The number of missionaries that they sent into France um, wasn't unreal, and almost all of them would be going into France to die. Yeah, yes. and they knew it going in. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's that that famous story about those three young men mm-hmm. going into lions, and Calvin. They were in prison for like a year. Calvin wrote three or four letters to them, and their only crime was preaching the gospel in France. and And Calvin wrote this last letter to them before their their death, and he basically just says. You know, um, look to him who um, has already saved your soul as, as you go to your death. And it was, it's such a remarkable letter. That's one of the things about Calvin I think that many people don't recognize. He was so pastoral. Like if you read his personal letters, which, he was— Which number 
in the thousands. Yes. Yep. Thousands upon thousands. And I mean like like 5,000 letters that he yep. hand wrote to individuals. Yep. Yeah. He was writing to individuals all over Europe, trying to unify the Protestant church. In fact, that's why he wrote to Luther, because he was trying to get Luther and Zwingli to reconcile their differences over the Reformation. But he was extremely pastoral, and he was very much a churchman. And he was very compassionate and considerate and kind. I mean, just read the letters. You'll, you'll see for yourself. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Calvin sort of gets the reputation, and probably because of the Institutes, and because he is a, theo- a theologian. And what Russ said earlier is true. You know, in, in, in some ways it's an overgeneralization, but, you know, people talk about Luther being the heart of the Reformation and, and Calvin being the mind of the Reformation, but don't sell... Don't sell Calvin short for a heart of flame for Jesus Christ. In fact, his, his, what has come to be known as his life motto is, uh, my heart I give thee, Lord, eagerly and sincerely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to work at a, uh, many years ago, I worked at a camp, summer camp called Calvin Crest. And, and uh, that name was based on Calvin's Crest, which is a pair of hands with a flame, holding a flaming heart, and the motto, my heart I give thee, Lord, eagerly and sincerely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that Calvin's life was a heart of flame for Christ. Mm-hmm. Listen to what Lloyd-Jones says about Luther and Calvin and then R.C. Sproul, and I think this will capture what um, Phil's been talking about. Lloyd-Jones says, Luther was a volcano spewing out fiery ideas in all directions without much pattern or system. But ideas can't live and last without a body, and the great need on the Protestant movement in the last days of Luther was for a theologian with the ability to arrange and to express a new faith within a system. Mm. R.C. Sproul says this, Luther, being a brilliant student of language, this is the mind of Luther, it was incredible, Mm. brought to the theological table an uncanny ability to provide vignettes of insight into particular questions of truth. But Luther was not a systematician by nature, and so he could not be the theologian of theologians. And that's why Calvin was needed. Mm-hmm. They were such a great complement to one another. But don't try to disregard the heart of Calvin right. or the mind of Luther. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. They were different, but mm-hmm. they were both so necessary that God orchestrated that Luther was the perfect follow-up. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Calvin was the perfect follow-up to Luther. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Calvin said about Luther that Luther allows himself to be carried beyond all due bounds with his love of thunder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and by the way, both Calvin and Luther were wonderful, wonderful exegetes of Scripture. Yeah. And, Luther, and Luther's uh, commentary on Galatians, if you have not read oh, anything my, by Luther, my. pick up Luther's commentary on Galatians. Pretty easy, accessible to read. He will so help you in your assurance. That's right. That's right. Um, both of them, and and thankfully, one of the great gifts we have today is that all of Luther's and Calvin's commentaries on Scripture, uh, and and they both wrote volume after volume of of commentary on Scripture. Uh, all of those are in print. All of them are available today. In fact, most of them you can access online for free. Um, and what a wonderful resource they are, and timely. Uh, you know, sometimes obviously the language can be a little bit archaic, and you got to work at it a little bit, but. Uh, the insights just as fresh and timely and applicable to the Christian life uh, uh, then as they are now. 
Yeah, what makes what makes all of it relevant is they are constantly going back to the Word of God. The Word of mm-hmm. God is re- relevant in That's every right. age. God stays That's the right. same, yeah. and the character of man is the same. Yeah, and really. so, you know, whether you whether you go to Corinth or or uh, Philippi or any other place in uh, geographically in Scripture, you're coming you're coming to the same places we are today. Yep. That's why I think Calvin's commentaries are so um, relevant for today because he doesn't tell. Um, stories, he just unpacks the word of God and applies it to your heart. And it's like, right. this, this is 500 years old, but this, this couldn't be more relevant yeah. right. to uh, a Wednesday morning yeah. in, in October. Ligon Duncan actually said that he believes that Calvin, and this is a strong statement, is the greatest exegete in church history. Who said that? Ligon Duncan. Mm-hmm. Which is, it, What's it, an exegete? The one that handles the scripture and, and finds the meaning and essence of what the scripture is talking about by using the, the original languages and comparing scripture to scripture and, and just working a text. And he, he did have this lawyer mind that he brought to the text. Melanchthon actually, when he would correspond with, with Calvin, simply re, um, addressed his letters not to Calvin, but to the theologian yeah. is actually how he addressed Calvin and his yeah. name for Calvin. Yeah. Well, we are talking about John Calvin because it is uh, Reformation Week, <laughs> kind of, right? Yeah. Halloween is coming up here in a couple of days, but actually that was Reformation Day far long before it was Halloween. It was the day that Martin Luther nailed his 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg, thus starting the Protestant Reformation. And it is this Reformation um, that we are celebrating here in a couple weeks at our Boise Reformation Conference Our theme this year is In Christ Alone. We're going to have two great speakers, Dr. Mark Jones and Dr. Cornelis Venema. We're going to be talking about topics that are so relevant to your life, your union with Christ, your assurance in Christ, your obedience to Christ, and the return of Christ. You're not going to want to miss this conference. It's November 8th and 9th. If you go to ReformationBoise.com, you can find out all of the relevant details as well as register for free. We hope to see you there. 